gentlemen, welcome to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember the simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Once again, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer and also in His scripture. As I've said every single week, I cannot stress enough how important it is that we are staying as close to Him as we possibly can right now. We have to. The time is short. There's a sense of urgency around this. And we're going to talk a little bit about some some of those things um, today as we kind of talk into one of the most confusing scriptures, I feel like, in scripture, um, which is around Zechariah chapter 5. But we're going to take a look at it because it it pertains to where we're at right now and a lot of the things that are happening um, in this world. If you haven't had a chance, I mean, you might want to check out some of the things around digital ID that are coming, around uh, the central bank digital currency type things that are happening. A lot of these things are being set up for the beast system, um, which is just not that far away, frankly, from from where we've been. Also, some of the pieces being set up in the Middle East around Israel are are another thing that's happening right now. So just make sure you are watching and that you are praying and that we all might be accounted worthy to escape the things that are going to come, as Jesus said in Luke 21. Amen. So before we kind of dive into Zechariah 5, some housekeeping items here. Again, all of our scripture comes from the New King James Bible. If you'd like a copy of a New King James Bible, feel free to drop me a note at path to redemption ohio at gmail.com more than happy to get one into your hands again my book is out grace abounds if you'd like a free copy of that feel free to drop me a note path to redemption ohio at gmail.com and then finally once again don't take my word for it make sure you're studying and doing your own your own work and making sure that you are focusing on what god has for you right now because it, there are a ton of false teachers, ton of false doctrines out there. Look, I'm not saying that what I say is false, but I don't even want you trusting me. I don't care who it is. I want you to make sure that you're doing the work, making sure everything lines up with Scripture, and that Scripture forms the backbone for the things that we're hearing and for what we're seeing. So, with all of that in mind, um, we're going to start again in Zechariah chapter 5. And this is really about the second coming of the Lord. We are going to take a look at the sixth and seventh visions that Zechariah had. Um, outside the major prophets, Zechariah probably has the most prophecies about both the first and second comings of Christ. A little historical context here is that Zechariah was a contemporary of Haggai, and they both prophesied after the return of Israel back to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity. So the context here is that this is while the people were trying to complete the second temple. So our main scripture is going to be Zechariah 5, 1 through 4. And here's what it says. Then I turned and raised my eyes and saw there a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? So I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and it's width 10 cubits. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes over the face of the whole earth. Every thief shall be expelled according to this side of the scroll and every perjurer shall be expelled according to that side of the scroll. I will send out the curse says the Lord of hosts, it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with its timbers and stones. So here on the flying scroll, we see that there are two curses surrounding this. The first is to the thief and the second to the liar. Of all the sins, why is there a special curse put on the thief and the liar in the context of Zechariah prophesying around the finishing of the temple, the dwelling place of God? Here's why. And first, let's take a look at the thief. 
John 10, 1 through 10 says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And then he brings out his own sheep. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger's. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. See, Jesus explained this pretty plainly right here. Anyone that comes into the kingdom by any other means is a thief. These are false doctrines. He says that to every that everyone that came before him ministering through the law was a thief and a robber because the law could not redeem the people. Only Christ did. See, there's a special curse to these that goes over all the earth for anyone that tries to get to God by any other means. There's a curse here. And let's talk about the curse of the law because Galatians 3, 10 through 14 says this, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise through the spirit of faith. Those that continue in it suffer the curses from Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You see, we've got to understand that the law was fulfilled through Christ Jesus, right? The law was completely fulfilled in him. All the work that he did all by dying on that cross, being that sacrificial lamb, it was fulfilled in who he was. Now, we're going to table that for a second. We're going to come back to it. But because the other side of the scroll is for those who perjures, those that swear and don't fulfill their oaths. Matthew 5, 33 through 37 says this, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. You see, and here's a warning that Christ gives in Matthew 23, 16 through 22. He says, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the gold or the gold? 
or the temple that sanctifies the gold. And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to reform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. And again, at the end of Matthew 23, Jesus says this in 37 through 39, where he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to, he, sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Notice the end of this. It shall remain in the midst of the house and consume its timbers and stones. That's what the scripture says in Zechariah. Now, look at how, how it also ends in Matthew 23. It says, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall be see me no more till you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So what do we see that happens here? We know the destruction of the temple happened in 70 AD when Titus came and destroyed every stone and timber of the temple. The way that the story goes is that as they set it on fire, the gold got in between the bricks and that they actually had to take every single stone completely apart. The curse of this scroll was that of the law and what the Jews would become both thieves and perjurers. Now, why were they both thieves and perjurers? They were perjurers because, the, as Christ said, they would swear against all these things and then not fulfill their oaths and then not actually be true men of God upright and letting their yeses be yeses and their noes be noes. So that's the first part. The second part is that Jesus himself said that all who came before me were as thieves and robbers. And so often we quote this scripture thinking that it's Satan or the devil that comes to, to steal, kill, and destroy. But, but Jesus here is very clear. They says that only the thief comes, but to, except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But the thief, as I said, were these false doctrines. So what does that mean? It means that grace had come to them. Grace had come through Jesus Christ. They rejected it. And if they did not try to enter through Christ, but rather through their daily sacrifices, then ultimately they were being no better than a thief, right? And they were leading people to be killed, to be destroyed. Now, why is that important, right? Christ, get, or should say Christ, but the Lord gave them multiple opportunities to understand. There was the the scarlet cord did not turn red anymore because uh, because or did not turn white anymore. Whenever they would do the scapegoat ritual, there were things where they the the temple doors started opening and closing on their own as the spirits left. And you could hear there's even uh, uh, reports of the priests inside the temple hearing voices talking about the departing of, of the spirit of God from the temple. Why is that? Because Christ came. And Christ, when Christ died and was resurrected, that temple, that veil was torn in two, meaning that anyone could go to the Father. Any single one of us could walk and step before the Father through Jesus Christ. All we had to do was believe in him. So how does this apply to us today? The scroll that went out to the 
went out over the entire world, not just Israel or Jerusalem. So while I think that this scripture has been partially fulfilled in the destruction of the temple, we have yet to see it fulfilled in the world. And why do I say that? Because there's still a curse for the thief here. And because how many times have we heard, you know, there are other ways to God besides Christ. You know, all roads lead to God. Or how many false religions are there trying to get to God, whether it's Hindu or Buddhism or or whatever it may be, trying to get to enlightenment, right? We've all heard that, that people are, all these people are cursed and will ultimately have the temples of their religions toppled during the tribulation. Why? Because during the tribulation, there's no one else to worship except the Antichrist. You worship the beast. Everything else falls. And keep in mind, the curse goes across the whole world, meaning that all the world's religions are going to fall and become subject to the worship of the beast, right? So, because guess what? There's no atheists in in the tribulation. Why? Everyone's worshiping the beast if they're still there, right? If they're taking the mark and doing those things. So understanding that there's still a curse in all these temples, all these places where these people have raised up idols and done this and have are trying to be as a thief, getting to heaven by some other way than Christ, they're going to be toppled over and it's going to rot as prophesied in Zechariah chapter 5. Now, the other curse here is still for those that perjure. How many people say, if this happens, I'll come to church? The, still, the curse still remains for them. How many people say, you know, I swear on my mother's grave, or I swear on this, or I swear on that? You know, all of people still do that. Also, you can't find hardly anyone that actually does what they say they will do. The integrity is imperative to following Christ. Our yeses must be yeses, and our noes must be noes. There's a curse when, when people do not allow themselves to to not care about what they say they will do. This will again all come back during the Antichrist when it's the fulfillment of flesh and the fullness of who it is of who he is and the fullness of iniquity. Now, again, this is happening right now, right? We see this as a beast system aligns, as different things are happening. There's there's a beast system coming, and all of this scripture in Zechariah 5 will be fulfilled because no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. And Christ was very, very plain here when he said that the only people that doesn't come in by the door, which is him, is a thief and a robber. And a thief only comes but to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that only the sheep will hear and the doorman and enter by the door, right? He is Christ. Christ is the door. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, that's all we have to have. We have just have to believe in him and we have access to the Father through him. There is no other way. But there is a curse that remains for the false religions that will all be torn down during the tribulation as everyone is going to be forced to worship the Antichrist. Now, the seventh vision of Zechariah is Zechariah 5, 5 through 11. And it says, Then the angel who talked with me came out and said to me, Lift your eyes now and see what this is that goes forth. So I asked, What is it? And he said, It's a basket that is going forth. He also said, This is their resemblance throughout the earth. Here is a lead disc lifted up. 
and this is a woman sitting inside the basket. Then he said, This is wickedness. And he thrust her down into the basket and threw the leg cover over its mouth. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were two women coming with the wind in their wings. For they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. So I said to the angel who talked with me, Where are they carrying the basket? And he said to me, To build a house for it in the land of Shinar. When it is ready, the basket will be there on its base. So this is a picture of the in the place of the wickedness of the end and being prepared, specifically the wickedness of Babylon. So let's take a look. The ancient land of Shinar is the equivalent of Babylon. It's where the Tower of Babel was in the defiance of God. It's where Nimrod's kingdom was set up. It's where the Jews were taken into captivity. All of this happened before the prophecy of Zechariah. This is the same Babylon of the end. The basket is an ephah. This closely represents for us a bushel today. This represents the commerce and trade. This is the commerce and trade for the whole world. Then the woman is placed in the basket. Wickedness is put directly into the center of it until this end. Again, Revelation 18, 9 through 18 says, The king of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for one hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore, merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, and every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of the most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, Bodies and the souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade by the sea, stood at a distance and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? You see, wickedness and greed surround almost all business in this day and time. Think about the profits these corporations made on the backs of the people during saying it was inflation. There was even a term given to that. It was greedflation, where profits were lined, and the and the this it was it was lined for the rich people, in order as they basically arbitrarily kept prices high in order to make more money. You see. This picture here that we see of the basket is the representation of the fullness of wickedness. The two women had wings like a stork, like a stork. Leviticus 11:19 tells us that a stork is an unclean and an unworthy animal. The two women are the beginning and the end of iniquity. The first a representation of the fall of Eve. Eve was the first to try to usurp her authority over Adam and convinced him to eat of the fruit. Remember, we talked about this before, but back in Genesis 3.17, it's very clear. Then to Adam, God said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, you have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground for you, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And Genesis 3.16 bears this out, which is why Eve was placed under the authority of Adam. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over 
over you. Let's not forget, once again, that Adam was seated the authority of the whole earth, and Eve was made out of Adam. So when Eve convinced Adam to eat of the fruit, she usurped his authority, and he willingly gave up his authority, which is why his sin was worse than what it was for Eve. And that's why Paul told Timothy very plainly that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. That means that it was willful. The second, the fullness of iniquity that comes from the horror of the Babylon. That's what the second stork figure is here. Revelation 17, 1-6 says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her head was a name that was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. She once again will try to usurp authority, but this time from the beast. Revelation 17, 15 through 18 says, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw were, the har- were where the harlot sits, and are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled, and the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So seeing this then, we have to understand a house is built for this wickedness, where it stays until it was ready. The world is currently being prepared to house the beast system and the harlot of Babylon. But there's a real city that this represents, where the house is being set. Where it is, I have no idea. I've heard several prophecy teachers say multiple things from Babylon and the desert of Iraq being completely rebuilt to even New York City being Babylon because of the use of the term megalopolis. I, and I, so I don't know. I, I don't know. And the Lord has not told me. But regardless, somewhere is being prepared for ultimately Babylon to be looked at here. So what does this have to do with us right now? And here's the reason. We're seeing elevation of all roads lead to God, right? Everything leads to God now. Like I can go and do whatever I want or I am God now. I mean, everything is suddenly God and you can overlay anything on top of it that you want. So we're seeing an elevation of that. We're seeing an elevation of of people trying to be thieves to reach heaven by some other way than Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of people profess God, but they reject Jesus. And that becomes material, right? And you have to listen to their words because their words are material. If they reject Jesus Christ, they are a thief and a robber trying to bring you aside, steal you away, coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Because if they don't talk about Jesus, then without Jesus, there's no way to get there because he is the door. We've got to go through Jesus Christ. 
More and more people are professing Christianity while denying their tenets. There have been several studies that are saying that, gee, that even the majority of people that believe that they are born again don't think that Christ lived a perfect life. And I'm sorry, how can he be the perfect sacrifice for our sins if he did not leave a, lead a perfect life? That is a basic tenet of Christianity. The other thing is no one honors their word anymore. No one says that they're going to do, that actually does what they say they're going to do. I mean, the fact that you find people that do the rarity of that, they become special and you remember it because you know that they're going to meet and do what they actually said they were going to do. You know, and we're just going to see more and more evil in business transactions and around commerce between digital ID that's on the way, digital currencies, consolidation of accounts and banking systems, all leading to the beast and the harlot system, right? So we've got to understand here a few things. The first one is that is that anyone that tries to go through Christ goes to the God other than Christ is a thief and a robber. The religions are, the false religions are. All of those, and it's material, right? Because everyone's trying to go to heaven. Everyone's trying to get to God, but not through Christ right now. And those are all going to be knocked off during the end because you're only going to be able to worship the beast. And that's material. The fulfillment of Zechariah 5 is on its way. And the fulfillment of the seventh vision of Zechariah, I believe, is coming to the fullness of it now. Because the wickedness and the fullness of iniquity is happening. Because we saw it from the beginning and we saw it from the end and we saw it from the usurpation of authority. And we're going to talk a lot about that in our next one. Because if we don't understand the usurpation of authority and we don't understand how God, how material authority is to God and the yielding of that, then we will not, we'll never be able to understand exactly why things are happening the way that they are. So with that, Again, if you have any questions, feel free to drop me a note at Path to Redemption Ohio at gmail.com. I'm here to help you, um, you know, because I know that this is a little bit more complicated than maybe some of the other ones, but it's an important understanding of what's going on. Next time, we're going to talk about rebellion. And we're going to talk about the purpose of the rebellion and, and why and, and how it is lining up right now and how it shows the fullness of iniquity here and but we'll talk about that next time but until next time just remember this simple truth the father loves you jesus loves you and the holy spirit loves you god bless